Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. If Superman had his fortress of solitude, Wonder Woman must have had the most amazing shower known to womankind. The kind all super moms deserve. Your master bathroom is your place to recharge. Get your game face on and spend time on you. The rest of the time, it's go, go, go and do, do, do. But a new bathroom will transform your mornings and nights, and that'll transform your whole day. Get your shower of me time at ozarksremodeling.com. Well, this time on the Empire Building Podcast, we're going to play Stump Dave. And Stephen, when you told me what the topic was, I was stumped from the start. Fox 40 whistles? Whistles, yes. Whistle while you work, you know, like blow on it. Why do we want to talk about Fox 40 whistles? Well, I'll wet your whistle. They sell about 15,000 of these whistles a day in 140 countries. Holy cow. Holy cow, right? So here's where it all comes from. But before we get started, little trivia. Who invented basketball, Dave? Naismith. Naismith, yeah. A Canadian back in 1891 invented basketball. Why are we talking about basketball today? Because we're talking about whistles. And the origin of the Fox 40 whistle has to do with both Canada and basketball. Okay. The whistle was invented by another fine Canadian. And it was invented by a fellow by the name of Ron Foxcroft in 1987. And Ron lives in Burlington, Ontario, a couple hours from where I am right now. So a local guy. And as I said earlier, today they sell, you know, 15,000 of these whistles a day around the world. And they are also the most expensive in their category. Are these the whistles, the referee whistles? That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. And they're used in boating and all sorts of other things, but their origins started with basketball referees. Okay. And as I was saying, they're the most expensive in their category. They sell for about five bucks. And most other whistles you can buy in bulk for like 50 cents a piece. They're like 10 times more expensive than their competitors. And yet they sell amazing. Ron tells this great story about how he even had an opportunity to give one to the Queen of England. He had this opportunity to meet the Queen of England. And she was pointing out her wonderful lawn and that there was geese on the lawn. And he suggested to her that she could use his whistle for getting the geese off the lawn. (laughs) How'd that go over? Seemingly, they had a long chat about geese and whistles. And they've also expanded to other products as well. But today, we're going to focus on the Fox 40 whistle. But before I do that, I wanted to share a little bit about Ron's character, because he's an interesting character. Okay. In his last year of high school, he was sent to detention. And in those years... The teachers would write a question on the board. So when you went to detention, they'd write this question on the board that you would have to answer and you'd have to stay there until you got the right answer. And what Ron discovered was the answer was written on a board in the teacher's lounge. So he approached the janitor and he said, you go in there and you find out the answer. You tell me I will sell the answer to people who've been sent to detention and we'll split the profits. (laughs) I like this guy. 
And eventually there was one day where the principal caught on and he was called into the principal's office and he was sat down and the principal said to him, Mr. Foxcroft, we have a problem. And Foxcroft immediately agreed with him and decided to say this to him. Look, you don't want me to be here. I don't want to be here. Why don't you give me 50% for the rest of the year? I'll walk out the doors and never return. And this is a perfect deal because the system gets rid of a problem, me, and I get out of school. And guess what? The principal took him up on the deal and he walked out the door. Oh my gosh. So he leaves high school and he starts a landscaping business. And he gets kind of this break when he meets a gentleman by the name of Frank Buchanan. And Frank's a local Burlington guy who's heavily tied up in the sports scene. Very, very influential in the sports scene in the Hamilton, Burlington area. And he gives him a gig umpiring baseball. So he starts umpiring baseball. But this put him into kind of the sports community and led him to being introduced to Kitch McPherson, who's a legend in the area in basketball. And he got him into refereeing basketball. And this led him to the moment that changed everything. But before we go there, there's a sidebar story I just have to share. Because at this time, Ron also bought a trucking company. And the trucking company was called Fluke. And you see these trucks all over Ontario. And for years, I wanted to know who was involved with this trucking company because the slogan painted on the truck is this. If it arrives on time, it had to be a fluke. F-L-U-K-E. If it arrives on time, had to be a fluke. And I always laughed my guts out. I always wondered who the hell owns this? And it turns out Ron from Fox 40 Whistles. That was a sidebar thing, that guy. And when he bought the company, he wasn't sure about the slogan. And he surveyed the customers. And what he found was, you're going to love this, Dave. This is a story all on its own. 10% of customers hated it. Half loved it. Everyone remembered it. What do we find with good advertising? People hate it. A bunch love it. Everyone remembers it. And to Ron's credit, he ignored the 10% who hated it and said, you know what? Everyone remembers it. I'm sticking with it. We have a picture in the show notes of a fluke transportation truck. It's hilarious. I love love those trucks and they still have the trucking company and that's just a sidebar, but I just had to talk about it because I love them so much. So coming back to the moment that changed everything, Ron has become a pretty high-end referee in basketball and he's in Brazil and the men's team is one win away from qualifying for the Olympics and they're playing in Brazil. So this is the Brazilian team playing in Brazil, need a win to get to the Olympics. So like no pressure, right? There's nine seconds to go and Brazil is clearly fouled. Ron blows his whistle and here's what happens. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. How's business? Yeah, good. Why isn't it great? We we were growing 20, 30% every year for five years. Then we went flat in the last three. Growth used to be easy. Now, nothing we do seems to have the same effect anymore. If you're not growing, you're dying. And I can't stand to think we've hit the top and are coming back down. So you build a hell of a castle and you're worried. Maybe it's time to build an empire. Huh? What you got here won't get you to where you want to go. You need a fresh perspective. 
There's these guys that are looking for business owners just like you. Smart, customer-focused, but with flat sales. What do they do? Build empires, but they don't work with just anyone. You have to be customer-focused. So what exactly do they do? Well, some say they're marketers, but I call them crusaders. Check out their website at empirebuilderprogram.com. Like what you see, set up a meeting. Crusaders, empires, castles, think someone's been getting so old they're medieval. Empirebuilderprogram.com. Check it out before you become a dinosaur. You mean dragon. No, I mean dinosaur. They were good too, for a while. Sure you want to be just good? Empirebuilderprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. There's nine seconds to go and Brazil is clearly fouled. Ron blows his whistle, and here's what happens. I know. You know how a lot of the whistles have that little P in it? Well, the P gets sweat and all this other stuff on it, and sometimes jams. It jams. That little piece of cork called a P jams. The call doesn't get made. Luckily for Ron, the game stays tied. And Brazil wins in the overtime. Otherwise, there would have been a lynch mob, right? But this problem wasn't the only time it's happened. It wasn't the first time it happened to him. And he decided, I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to fix this problem. And so he teamed up with a Canadian engineer, Chuck Shepard, and they went out to solve this problem to make a P-less whistle. So in other words, using chambers instead. Now, it had to be loud. 125 Mm -hmm. decibels Mm -hmm. is what it needs to hit for it to be good for referees. And it had to work every time, which meant get rid of the P and use these chambers. Now it took him three and a half years and Ron spent $150,000 on trying to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. And he solved it. So now he's got $150,000 in debt and a whistle. He completed this in the spring of 1987. He had his first couple of prototypes of the whistle. He's got called to referee at the Pan Am Games in Indianapolis. So he takes a couple of whistles with him, right? Because guess what? Lots of referees there, right? Yeah. And this is very stressful for him because in 87, trucking was in a downturn. Plus he'd accumulated all this debt on creating this it was, it was crazy whistle. It was a fluke how it all came together. So he's nervous and stressed, but he decides here's what he's going to do. I'm in this hotel full of referees and nothing gets a referee's attention like the sound of a whistle. So at 2 a.m. in the morning, he steps out of his room into the hallway and he blows his whistle. 400 referees immediately open their doors. Like, what the hell, right? They all go, can I buy one? Now he doesn't say, oh, I haven't made it yet. Better to have scarcity, right? We've learned this from lots of businesses, scarcity marketing. So he says, nope, they're on back order, but I can take orders. So he walks out with orders for 20,000 whistles at five bucks a piece. And when you build in the exchange rate, he's now got his $150,000 back. And the debt you know, is taken care of. And today, they're not only being used by referees, they're being used in the boating industry. There's all sorts of places that you find the Fox 40. And they're great on boats because they get wet and it still works. There's a lot of fun little lessons in this story about the whistle. And to me, one of the first ones is he clearly understood the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he experienced it firsthand. He experienced it firsthand. This is like DoorDash we often talk about. He experienced it firsthand. He knew 
the problem. And so many times we see with startups, they actually don't clearly understand all the ins and outs of the problem. But the other thing he also knew was the customers. He understood referees. He understood blowing of the whistle would get their attention. He hung out with them. He had credibility with them. So not only did he understand the problem, he understood the customer. Referees are a tribe. They're a community. They hang out together. They know each other. They see each other. There's these big events where they're all together. So he knew the problem, understood the customer, and had a tribe that he was a member of. He was not an outsider. He was an Olympic referee. When you blow that whistle, everybody's going to want it because they know who you are and they trust you and they want what you have that works. Yeah. And instead of telling people it was the power of demonstration, he blew that whistle in the middle of the night. And the power of community, tapping into that pride. I also like the other thing he did was this whole idea of scarcity and popularity. He didn't say, oh, well, these are just prototypes. Nope, sold out on back order. If he had said the other and said, you know what, I'm going to be soon making them. I think people would have been like, well, let me know when they're made. When you say, no, it's on back order. It's like, well, geez, I better get my order in now. When you get 20,000 people that want one, it's no longer a prototype. It's time to just say, you know what, this is good enough. This is good enough. It's on yeah. back order. And he walked out with the orders he needed and his debts covered and things just rolled from there. But there's a sidebar thing I want to share. One of the things that he shares, he's got a great book that if you go to fox40.com, Secret of the Fox, and I'll put a link to being able to purchase the book in our show notes. But when you read through his book, one of the things he also talks about is where your manufacturing costs should be. And I found this interesting because I've had people who've approached us who are startups and manufacturing, and I've always felt like they're numbers were not quite right. And I haven't worked with a manufacturer, so I've never been able to see how it played out. But what he said was, your manufacturing costs need to be 10 to 15% of your sale price. So you've got to be making 85 to a 90% margin over and above your manufacturing costs because you've got marketing, you've got administration, you've got all those other things. And in fact, your marketing budget should be pretty much equal to your manufacturing costs. Mm. You need to spend as much money on marketing as you spend on manufacturing. I think so many business owners err on the side of, I'll just sell this for as little as I can possibly sell it for. Yeah, or I'll put so much into the manufacturing and making it perfect that if I make the best product, people will flock to it. And it's like, no, he has the, he has the best whistle solve the problems, but still recognize he needed to put money and effort towards marketing of the product. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast.com.